Hey guys, thanks for tuning in today to the JTP Church Podcast. We hope God speaks to you through this message. If you want to share with us what God is doing in your life, you can write us at hello at jtp.church. If you would like to partner with us and make a financial gift to our ministry, you can visit us at www.jtp.church and make a donation. Now sit back and enjoy the message. We're getting close to that anniversary mark. We're going to be celebrating that the first week of March, so that's going to be good. Time has flown by so fast. It's almost been a year. But God has been faithful through it all. How many say amen? How many can say God has been faithful with my life? Yeah? Has God been faithful with you? Looking back in 2016, as we get ready to close off this year, God has been faithful with my family, with my wife. I can't do anything else than to be grateful, like Joanna was saying. Amen? God has been good. God has been good. I want to share a little bit today on being kingdom-minded. But before that, I want to be able to just put a little bit more emphasis on what Jesus was saying. On Friday, we were honoring the volunteers. So I know that more people came since he made that announcement. So why don't we give another round of applause for all the volunteers that make this happen. Every single person that puts up their time, of their efforts to be able to come and serve God in whatever capacity. We honor you guys. We love you guys with all our hearts. Hope to see you guys next Sunday. It's going to be Christmas Day. What better way than celebrate it here in the house of God. Amen. If you want to come to the night service, for those that aren't serving during the morning service, you guys can just do your thing in the morning, you know, sleep in, do your hot cocoa. And how many of you guys open your gifts on Saturday night? Let's see the impatient people. All right. How many of you guys open your gifts on Sunday morning, Christmas morning? Raise your hand. Really? Oh, my gosh. Okay. All right. I guess I'm part of the impatient we open them on Saturday. We don't even wait till 12. Right? It's like, as a matter of fact, today I went to my parents' house. We, all, we usually celebrate in my parents' house, and they're wrapped up. And I saw one that had my name, and I started shaking it. Anybody does that? I've been doing that since I was a kid. I'm 40 years old, and I still shake them. So, and what's funny is that I already know what it is, but okay. That's another topic. All right, open up your books to the book of Isaiah chapter 44. Isaiah chapter 44, I want to talk to you a little bit about being kingdom-minded. And we spent four weeks before Chino. How many of you guys were blessed by Chino's word? Amazing, right, last week? He's awesome. Please keep him in your prayers. They have a huge work ahead of them, but I believe that God's with them, so we pray that God will bless his life. But, you know, before he spoke, we spent four weeks talking a little bit about the Holy Spirit and getting to know the Holy Spirit, seeing how the Holy Spirit works in our lives, etc. We talked about power, right? The power that the Holy Spirit grants us. And now that we've learned a little bit about the Holy Spirit and how he works in our lives to get us to accomplish God's will through us, I want you guys to focus now on what we're going to be speaking about today, having that kingdom mentality. The Bible says that we're part of a kingdom. And we're in this kingdom. So how can I have a kingdom mind? So let's start reading in Isaiah chapter 44. It says, Thus says the Lord, your Redeemer, and he who formed you from the womb, I am the Lord who makes all things, who stretches out the heavens all alone, who spreads abroad the earth by myself, who frustrates the signs of the babblers, the drives, and drives diviners mad, who turns wise men backward, and makes their knowledge foolishness, who confirms the word of his servant and performs the counsel of his messengers, who says to Jerusalem, you shall be inhabited. To the cities of Judah, you shall be built, and I will raise up her waste places. Who says to the deep, be dry, and I will dry up your rivers. Who says of Cyrus, and 
underline that name, we're going to be talking a little bit about this guy, Cyrus. He is my shepherd, and he shall perform all my pleasure, saying to Jerusalem, you shall be built, and to the temple, your foundation shall be laid. And this is the word I want to start off today, and I want to just bring to your attention that when this is being written by prophet Isaiah, Israel is in a state of chaos. Israel, it's actually fulfilling a period of 70 years of captivity because they started worshiping other gods. They weren't kingdom-minded. They became self-minded, and they started worshiping other idols, and they left God to the side. And the same thing that happened to them happens to us sometimes. We leave God to our side, and we think we could do it all on our own, and we are captive to sin we become being captive to many other things but now God lifts this man up and he starts prophesying and he started saying look you guys may be captive but God is starting to do a new thing and he's starting to call the city of Jerusalem which is destroyed the walls have been destroyed the temples have been destroyed but through this prophet he starts saying but now it shall be built so, you know, before I get into preaching and teaching, I just want you to raise your right hand with me because I feel that God is here to tell some people that whatever you feel that's broken, whatever you feel that's undone, God will build it. How many receive that word? God is here to tell you that you will make it. He's here to tell you that you got what it takes. I feel that God is telling somebody right now that you got everything you need to break out of that slump that you're in or that situation that you can't break out of. You are healed if you're sick. You are loved if you feel that no one's there for you. You shall be hooked up soon. For those that are, maybe I should put some disclaimers with that, right? I don't want to get myself into trouble. But maybe that's for someone here, right? So I want you guys to shout with all your heart. Say, he is the God that calls things into existence. So Isaiah seeing Jerusalem just really messed up. We're going to read a little bit about Ezra. There's two parallel stories. There's Ezra and there's, there's Nehemiah. Nehemiah rebuilt the walls. Ezra rebuilt the temple during the time. So one was considered more of a political leader, Nehemiah, because he rebuilt the walls. And the religious leader, right, was Ezra. So we're going to be reading a little bit about him. And we're going to find a little bit more about this Cyrus guy. Who the heck is Cyrus that Isaiah is talking about? So go with me. To the book of Ezra. Raise your hand if you've ever read this book. <laughs> All right. There's always a first time. Ezra chapter 1, verse 1 and 2. It's not a very popular book in the Bible, but we're going to read about this guy that God called. And in verse 28 of what we just finished reading, we just were introduced to a guy named Cyrus. He is the king, the current king. And Ezra 1, verse 1 says, Now in the first year of Cyrus, king of Persia, that the word of the Lord by the mouth of Jeremiah might be fulfilled, the Lord stirred up the spirit of Cyrus, king of Persia. Everybody say, the Lord stirred up the spirit of Cyrus. I feel God is going to start stirring up spirits of people in this place if he hasn't already done so. I believe that God's starting to stir up spirits of people and giving direction, specific directions to what we have to do as we finish and close off this year in these last two weeks and what we're going to start doing in 2017. Here in the story, God is stirring up the heart of this man. And it says, so that he made a proclamation throughout all his kingdom and also put it in writing saying, verse number two, thus says Cyrus king of Persia, all the kingdoms of the earth, the Lord God of heaven has given me 
and he has commanded me to build him a house at Jerusalem, which is in Judah. So I want you to understand this. Number one, Cyrus is a very powerful man. Come on, touch the person next to you and tell him Cyrus was a powerful man. This guy ruled everything, like the whole world back then. This guy was a powerful man, but God stirred his spirit up. God started giving him kingdom mentality and started telling him, look, you may be powerful, but I'm more powerful than you. And this is what I need you to do for me. Keep in mind that he was, he was a leader whose heart did not please God. He had a bunch of idols, but God has a way of dealing with everybody as he pleases. And he started stirring up this guy's heart, even though he wasn't a church follower. He wasn't a church goer. He wasn't a guy that would pray. But God started stirring up his heart, and he said, you know what you're going to do now? You've conquered all the nations of the world. Now your job is to build me a house. I am God. I'm more powerful than you. He says, all right, God. That's the way it's going to be. So he stirs this king's heart to build God a house in Jerusalem, a temple. And this period, if you go to the book of Jeremiah, this was prophesied 200 years before this actually happened. If you go to Jeremiah chapter 29, one of the verses, one of my favorite verses, and a verse that we all know, Jeremiah 29, 11, it's part of this. So I want to read starting from verse 10. And it says, For thus says the Lord, after 70 years are completed at Babylon. Now keep in mind, this is a prophecy. This was sent 200 years before this actually happened. I will visit you and perform my good word toward you and cause you to return to this place. For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. Then you will call upon me and go and pray to me and I will listen to you. And you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. I will be found by you, says the Lord, and I will bring you back from captivity. I will gather you from all the nations and from all the places where I have driven you, says the Lord, and I will bring you to the place from which I cause you to be carried away captive. So check this out. People were up to no good. They were living according to their ways and not God's ways. They left God to the side, started worshiping idols, doing their own thing. And because of that, people were taken captives by the Persians. This guy was the king. Cyrus was the king of Persia. And they took him captive. They were captive for 70 years. But just as prophet Jeremiah had prophesied, they started humbling themselves before God. They started crying out to God, saying, God, help us, deliver us. We don't want to be captive anymore. Take us back to our land. Look, our land is suffering. You know, there's some people there, but they're not doing well. The whole wall was brought down. The temple was burned down to the crisp. And because they started crying out to God, God listened. You know, every time you cry out to God, no matter where you are in life, God will listen. You know, sometimes the devil cancels us out and he tells you, look, don't even pray because God's not listening. How many of you guys have ever received that message? Look, don't, don't even pray about it because you've prayed about it before and nothing's happened. So he tries to cancel you out, but when there's prayer, when there's consistent prayer, when you go to God, the Bible says that he will listen and he will turn his heart in favor of yours and he will start to do things. So that's exactly what happened. The prayer of these people caused the heart of Cyrus to be stirred by Almighty God, a guy that didn't fear God, a king that was bad, if we could say that, that he took captive even the people of Israel, God's people, and held them in captivity. But now God stirs his heart and says, you know what, not only will we rebuild the temple, but I'm going to restore everything that was taken away from Jerusalem. So our prayers 
open the way for God to do what he wants, not for our purposes, but for his purposes. Tell the person close to you, when we pray, we shouldn't just pray for our purposes to be met or our desires, but God's desires. We could be very selfish at times and just want God to satisfy all our longings, to satisfy all our needs. And we don't understand that the way God answers our prayers is so that you can fulfill his purpose over your purpose. Often we pray selfish prayers wanting to satisfy just ourselves, but we must bring our hearts, our minds, our prayers into alignment with his plans for our lives. In the book of James, chapter 4, verse 3, the Bible says, you ask and you do not receive. Raise your hand if you ever asked God for something and you didn't get it. All right, you're not alone in that club. Then it says why. You ask and you do not receive because you ask amiss. Amiss means with wrong motives, right? So that you may spend it on your pleasures. You see, God wants you. And now that we spoke about the Holy Spirit, about connecting to God's heart, now we're going to become more sensible into listening what is God's desire over our lives. And before we thought that, you know, we, we were just so into ourselves, we were so into what we wanted to do or what we thought is right or what we thought that God wanted to do through our lives. But once the Holy Spirit starts speaking to our lives, we start seeing differently. And we start realizing that things that were important are no longer that important. And things that we weren't even considering now for the kingdom of God or we thought that we were doing enough, now God says it's time to take it up a notch because this, this is the way. This is my will. This is what you have to follow because great things are coming and I want to use you and I need you to be kingdom-minded because what I want to do through you is going to be great. How many say amen? Come on, some people are not believing this yet, but I need you to help me put your hand on someone's shoulder and tell them this is for you. Tell them, come on, take notes. Make sure you're getting this. Because God wants to do great things for your life. We spend it and we ask amiss with wrong motives. And that's why, man, sometimes our prayers may not be bad. They're probably not evil or they're not wrong. But do they align themselves with God's heart for your life? With God's plans for your lives? And as we align our prayers with his will, he starts answering them. Amen? Raise your hand if you've had God answer some of your prayers. Okay, there we go, you see? So some he answers, some he doesn't. So we have to make sure, number one, that we are persistent. First of all, that we are listening to God's voice and we're aligned to what he wants to do in us and through us. And then sometimes God doesn't answer from one day to another. We have to be persistent. But you can't be persistent in something that is not of God's will or it's not the direction that God wants to follow you. That's why first thing we got to do is make sure that we are aligned with God's will. So back to the story. God calls Cyrus and he tells him, I need you to help me build my kingdom. And I believe that God today is calling people and he's wanting to build his kingdom and he's not going to build it himself. He's not going to come down yet. The Bible says that Jesus one day will come down and he will rule during a thousand years here on earth. But in the meantime, it is you and me that builds God's kingdom. It's, it's us. We are the one who build, who build God's kingdom. You know, through our HOBs, through talking to people, to being examples, to sharing the word, sharing testimonies of what God does. In Ezra chapter 1, now we're going to read verse 3 to 5. If you want to follow me, it says, Who is among you of all his people? 
May his God be with him and let him go up to Jerusalem, which is in Judah, and build the house of the Lord God of Israel. He is God, which is in Jerusalem. So he's calling the Jews and he says, hey, you guys, let's go back to Jerusalem and let's build the temple for your God. Let's go do this. So it's a call. He's calling them out. And in verse 4 it says, and whoever is left in any place where he dwells. In other words, those who decide to stay here in Babylon and don't want to go back to Jerusalem. It says, let the men of his place help him with silver and gold with goods and livestock, besides the freewill offerings for the house of God, which is in Jerusalem. And then the heads of the fathers' houses of Judah and Benjamin and the priests and the Levites, with all whose spirits God had moved, arose to go up and build the house of the Lord, which is in Jerusalem. So check it out. The generation that was taken captive from Jerusalem and brought to Babylon, this first generation died. Keep in mind, they've been there 70 years. So all these people now that the king is all of a sudden getting to go back to Jerusalem to build the temple, they're people that grew up in captivity. All they know is captivity. Some, most of them didn't even know about Jerusalem, never even been to Jerusalem. And they already had their homes in Babylon. They had their businesses in Babylon. All of their life was there in Babylon. And the trip on top of that was a very dangerous trip. It was about 1,700 kilometers. In other words, because you're probably calculating it with a car, but keep in mind they didn't have cars back then. Two months on camel. Two months on camel. And on top of that, once they got to the destination, Jerusalem was in ruins. What are they going to find when they got there? How many of you guys get antsy when you're going on a road trip to Orlando? Raise your hand. Three and a half hours, right? Just driving, four hours driving. But you know what? You're going and you have a good attitude because you know that once you get there, you get to the happiest place on earth. Am I right? And you're going to do the rides or you're going to go to the pool or you're going to check into a, a nice resort and you're going to relax. On the way back, it's not so happy, is it? <laughs> Could you imagine two months on a camel and then you don't arrive to Disney World? You arrive to destruction wherever you see People depressed, people discouraged, the temple burned down, the walls of the city totally brought down. All the enemies of Jerusalem could just come in and pillage and, and wipe it out. And no wonder not everybody that God stirred their heart to get up and go went. A lot of people stayed back. But the king said, those that are staying back, you guys got to give gold and silver to these people that are going to go do the work. And God started stirring up the hearts of these people to be able to rebuild this temple. Abraham, you guys know his story. He was called out of his city by God into a land that he would later receive as an inheritance. And the Bible says that by faith, he obeyed. He trusted that leaving everything that I have now and walking into the wilderness where I see nothing, one day that will be translated into everything that God has promised, that I will be a blessing to many nations, and you guys know the whole bit. But he had to leave by faith. You know, sometimes God calls us to serve in the kingdom, and you don't see anything. And you're like, I got too many things going on in my life. And you don't have enough faith to be able to leave the things that you can't see in favor of the things that you still cannot see because you're more prone to seeing what your eyes see than seeing what your faith is showing you. And we can't get to the place. And we were like, Yo, you know what? This is, let me just test the waters. 
Let me see if this, this will sustain me. Peter, come out of your boat. Uh, and, and it's uncomfortable, but that's what faith does. And today, just like God was calling all these people through Cyrus to go back into Jerusalem, a place that wasn't a desirable place, I believe that God is calling people today to say, you know what, it's time to put your personal situations to the side and start giving God the first place that he deserves. Start putting the kingdom of God first. God, all over the Bible, has, talks and encourages us to be people that are kingdom-minded. Come on, tell two or three people around you, tap them on their shoulder and tell them, we need to be kingdom-minded 24-7. So in the book of Ezra, God stirs the hearts of the Jews, but only a few responded. Only a few rise above the earthly and embrace the eternal. And those are the people of faith. And JTP Church is a church of faith. Amen. Thank you for your amen. Yes. So read verse number six now in Ezra. We're still in chapter one. And all those who were around them encouraged them with articles of silver and gold, with goods and livestock and with precious things besides all that was willingly offered. So the ones that didn't return to Jerusalem, at least, at least they gave them money to be able to go and do the work. And this tells me something. This tells me that when people finally believe God and take that risk of faith, God will always send provision. Sometimes we're worried. We get ahead of ourselves. And when God calls you into a place that you don't understand or to do something that you don't have time for or something that you feel that you're incapable of doing in your own strength, because we're control freaks, we want to be able to, for everything to be prepared and say, okay, here I go, here I go. I'm going to jump now. And God says, jump before anything's prepared. So you try, you're trying to make sure everything's prepared, but God says, look, go, and as you go, I will prepare the way. And I could see these people when King Cyrus started saying, look, let's go. God stirred my heart. I write this proclamation down, and we're going to go back to Jerusalem and rebuild the wall and rebuild the temple, sorry. And I need people to come with me. Who's coming? And some people that were willing and that had faith said, I'm going. Others started thinking. They stayed back. But those that decided to go were provided for. And God started touching the hearts of those that weren't going to provide it. I'm here to tell you because I, I believe that God right now in different people here sitting in the sanctuary has been calling you into serving God more, into getting involved, into taking your service to another level, into getting more committed to God. And, and sometimes God, when he moves you, he doesn't move you from point A to point B. He moves you from point A all the way to point M. And you're like, whoa, God, take it easy. I'll go to B, but, you know, you want me to jump? This is huge. And, and you start worrying. But God wants you to know that he's going to provide for you. He's going to have everything you need. And, and sometimes when you stop worrying so much about all your personal needs, because most of the time it's our personal situations that keep us from serving God. You know, it's our personal things. Oh, what, what about money? What about work? What about all these things? But God says, look, just believe me and jump in faith and I got your back. I'll send provision. I'll send gold. I'll send silver. I'll send precious metals. Whatever you need, I got it. How many believe that word? Amen. You just got to have faith, stand up, and believe God, and take a jump of faith. So when God stirs your heart in a certain direction, don't blow it by asking how. How are you going to do this, God? Give me the formula. Tell me how, you, how are you going to do this? Just run with it. God will take care of the how. God is stirring our hearts today to be kingdom-minded.
2016, we're not building walls. We're not rebuilding the walls of a kingdom. We're not rebuilding a temple. We're establishing God's kingdom in people's hearts. That's what we're called to do. Get the good news of the gospel out to people. Show people that there's still hope, that Jesus loves them, that there's nothing too impossible for God to solve. I just want to share a few scriptures that have to do with Jesus himself talking about the kingdom. Because, you know, we read about prophecy of Isaiah, Jeremiah, and all these people from the Old Testament. But Jesus talked about the importance of being kingdom-minded. I'll give you a few verses. I'm going to read just a few. You could jot the others down. Matthew 6.10 is one of them. We won't read that now. Matthew 6.25 and 33. I'll read it real quick. It says, Jesus said this, Therefore I say to you, don't worry about your life. Tell the person next to you, don't worry about your life. <laughs> what you're going to eat, what you're going to drink, or about your body, what you're going to put on, is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? And then he answers in verse 33, gives you the key. And it says, but seek first the kingdom of God. Talking about kingdom-minded, right? Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things that you were worried about, food, money, all these things will be added on to you. What should we focus on first? Kingdom. Where is God taking me? You should right now, at this point in your life, have a clear picture of, or not exactly what God is doing, but at least knowing what direction God is moving you in. Because if you have a relationship with the Holy Spirit, you're going to know what God is wanting to do in your life. You have to make sure that you're walking in that direction and you're not just walking blindfolded thinking you know where you're going because you're doing all these things in the natural realm. You're, you're getting your degree. You're doing this. You're doing well at work. You're providing for your kids. That, that's, that's all great. But kingdom, kingdom related, what am I doing for God's kingdom? One day, the same way we were all born, one day we're going to go to the grave. Once we're no longer here, what's really going to have been the meaning of our lives? The houses that we build, how much money we left our kids, or what difference we made in people, how God used us to be able to bring people to knowing God, what kind of an example or testimony were we to our children, right? So we have to make sure that we're kingdom-minded and that we're seeking God's kingdom first, and then he'll take care of everything else. Come on, shout it out loud with all your heart. Say, God has my back. Say it, declare it. Say, every need that I have, God is aware of it, and God will supply it as long as, as I'm kingdom-minded, focused in the kingdom. Matthew 7, 21, next chapter. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven. So this kingdom that God is building is not just for anybody that says, oh, God, God, I know you. I used to go to church on Sundays. Remember me? But he who does the will of my Father in heaven. I'm kingdom-minded when I'm doing the will of God. How do I know what's God's will? Well, we talked about that for four weeks. Getting connected to the presence of God, to the Holy Spirit. What is your will for my life? Why am I living right now? You'd be surprised how many people just get up on a daily basis and go through a routine week after week, month after month, year after just doing things, but they don't even know why they're doing it. I need to know what's my purpose in life. Why am I here? Why am I breathing right now, December 18, 2016. What's the purpose? God must have a purpose. Why am I here in Hialeah, Florida? God has a purpose for me being here. He has a purpose, but do I know it? So I need to be connected to God's purpose. Matthew 10, 
7 and 8. Last one I'll share with you. And as you go, preach, saying, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. So God wants us to manifest the power of God. The last week of the series of the Holy Spirit, we spent the entire session talking about what? Power. You guys remember? The power. Well, that power is so that people could know that God is alive. It's not the same thing if I go into a Mormon church or if I go into a Jehovah Witness church and a Christian church. No, there's power in the name of Jesus. There's power in the name of Jesus. Power to heal the sick, just like we read right here. Power to be able to cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out demons and whatnot. My friend, that you are here sitting comfortably at JTP Church this Sunday, I want you to know that God has called us to participate in building God's kingdom here on earth. In what capacity? That's something that you need to see God for. We've all been called to be able to build his kingdom. It's more than just coming to church. It's about being a part of what God is doing here locally. Jay Threadgill, he's a Haitian missionary, he said, there are two types of churches. One that is living on the cutting edge of what God is doing, connected to God's purpose, connected to God's will, and one that is being babysat until Jesus returns. There's no vision. There's no worries. We're just here sharing the Bible, cool vibes, you know. It's just about encouraging word. But I'd say we're just being babysat. I don't know about you, but Carly and I, I know we don't have the ministry of babysitting, right? I know I don't have that calling. And I guarantee you that God didn't call us to babysit. He called us to win people for Christ. He called us to take and possess. How many say amen? So now, I want you to go with me to the book of Ezekiel, chapter 8. This is also a prophet of God, Ezekiel. One of the major prophets of the Bible. And God comes to him, and he wanted to show him something that the people were up to. And I want you to read verse 1. We're going to read verse 1, and then we're going to jump to 5 and 6. It says, And it came to pass in the sixth year, in the sixth month of the fifth day of the month, as I sat in my house with the elders of Judah, sitting before me, that the hand of the Lord God fell upon me there. And verse 5 says, Then he said to me, Son of man, lift your eyes now toward the north. So I lifted my eyes toward the north, and there, north of the altar gate, was this image of jealousy in the entrance. Furthermore, he said to me, Son of man, do you see what they're doing? The great abominations that the house of Israel commits here to make me go far away from my sanctuary. Now turn again, and you will see greater abominations. And just to be able to sum up what's going on here, and if you read the entire chapter, you realize that four different occasions God calls this man, and he takes them into certain specific places that were meant to worship God. And he shows them how the people of Israel were worshiping other idols in the same spot where it was God's temple. In other words, the temple where God was meant to be worshipped, they had brought in idols and they were worshiping other idols. And God is showing him what's going on and he's telling him, look, this is why I'm leaving. This is why, you know, I'm not close to you guys. This is what's separating me from my people. So we can see here how God's heart is broken because his people had turned from his ways and they started worshiping false idols. He calls the prophet and he shows them four times the entire nation had turned their backs on him. And now how they had lifted up altars in the same altars where they used to worship God. 
Isn't it crazy how sometimes we could come into the house of God and sitting in the same chair in the house of God be worshiping other idols? That's a different preaching, though. I won't get into that today, but we have to make sure that when we come to church and when we come to worship God, we know what we're doing and who we've come to see. And it's not just we're not playing church. This is not just a building with AC and we come and sing songs. We believe that we're calling God Almighty. We're pleasing and we're worshiping. And our worship draws God's presence in, into this place. And when God's presence is in a house like this or any place, when God's presence is drawn, you can never remain the same person. You have to be changed. You have to be at least a little bit more like God or like Jesus than you were before you had that experience. So I believe that if we come and we truly have God moments every time we come on Sunday nights, at the end of the year, you can't be the same person than you were when we started March 6, 2016. You have to have God's heart beating inside of you. You have to have clear direction of where God is trying to lead you and what your role is in the kingdom of God. Well, today's sanctuary, we're not building a temple, we said. We're not building walls. Today's sanctuary is our hearts. Today's sanctuary is our hearts. That's where the Holy Spirit dwells. We talked about that. And as a pastor, I need to be certain that God is present in everything we do as a church. We can't just go ahead and do programs and do stuff just because, oh, let's just keep people entertained. It's about what God wants to do, how connected we are to the vision. I need to make sure that I remove any altar or anything that could cause his presence not to walk with me. I need to make sure that I'm kingdom directed. Psalms 139, 23, and 24, David said this. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxieties and see if there is any wicked way in me. And if there is, lead me in the way of everlasting. Wow. If every single one of us would come with that kind of heart, or, or every time you get on your knees on a daily basis to pray to God, to say that, say, God, search me, search me. Because sometimes you may think you're doing right, but sometimes our understanding could be clouded if it's not guided by the Holy Spirit. But God could show you when you're wrong. So the psalmist is saying, look, search me, God. Search my ways. Search my intentions. Search my motives. Search what I'm doing. And if there's anything that I'm doing incorrectly, God, let me know because I want to walk in your understanding. I want to make sure that I'm kingdom driven. I want to make sure that I'm doing and fulfilling my purpose if I'm losing my time, if I have people in my life that I have to weed out because they're draining me and they're pulling me in the wrong direction, God, show me and I'll cut them off. That's another thing. Once God shows you of certain things that you need to cut off or stop or activate and start doing, you need to make sure that you are obedient to God and you're willing to jump and believe God with all your heart. So the psalmist is telling him, search me, know my heart, Try me, know my anxieties, know what are my plans, my desires, my dreams. Is there anything, if there's anything that you want to interfere with or change or move or God, have your way. Lead me in the way of everlasting. Lawrence Wilson said, we think we can see because all we see is what we can see. We don't realize we cannot see until we are able to see something we have never seen before. There's a lot more that you haven't seen yet. Sometimes we come to church, we're guided by what we see, by the commonness of things that are repetitive, but you don't see the things that are going on in the spirit. 
And because you don't see them, you think you can see, but in reality, you don't see. Because there's a lot of things that, that you're not seeing. In other words, God wants to take your ability to see way beyond what you can see in the natural realm. God wants you to be able to see things in the spirit. God wants you to see the direction where he's leading you. Sometimes we think that we have it all together and that we know I'm in the right place at the right time. But have you asked God to see if this is where you should be and this is where he wants you? Because maybe you th what you're seeing is not what God is seeing for you. So, JTP Church, I'm praying tonight. I'm praying tonight for God's revelation to pour on our lives. We didn't spend four weeks talking about the Holy Spirit, so now we could do that away. Now that we are starting our relationship with the Holy Spirit, let's ask God to, as we close this year and as we start 2017, to be more kingdom-minded. The psalmist said, more of you and less of me. The more of Jesus you have and the less of you, the better. The more focused you're going to be. The more in tune with God's presence and God's calling and the direction that God's going to move you, the more you're going to be. I can't settle for a Christian life that is unknowing and ignorant of what's going on around me. We are in a battle for people's lives. If you have revelation of what's going on in the spirit realm, there's every single day, thousands of people die. And these people either go to heaven or go to hell. That's the reality of it. But God has called us to be his ambassadors, to be his spokesperson, to tell people wherever we are, in whatever capacity, that Jesus loves them, that he's waiting for them. And he wants us to be kingdom-minded. He wants us to be able to win our schools for Christ, young people that are still going in school. He wants us to win our neighborhoods for Christ. He wants you to tell your neighbor who you've probably been living there for 10 years and they don't even know you come to church or don't even know that you're a Christian. When was the last time you invited them to church or told them, you know what, can I pray for that situation that you're going through? You know how sometimes neighbors open their hearts and they tell you about what they go through? Can I pray for that situation? Can I help you in this? Can I give you a word? Let me, let me give you a word. Let me take a bold move here, but I believe that if you allow me to pray for you, God's going to heal you. You have the faith to be able to declare words like that and say, you know what, give me a chance and I'll prove to you that my God is real. This is what the world is needing. Young men, young women, men, senior citizens, kids, people that will stand and be God's voice to this generation. That would be kingdom-minded. We're in a battle for the hearts and lives of men, women, young people, even kids. And I want to encourage you today to live your life with an eternal vision. Don't allow your vision to be clouded with everything that society is trying to make you think that is important. Because for God, all those things, he calls them add-ons. They're add-ons. You know when you buy a product, and if you buy this product, you get five add-ons for you. We went on a cruise eh, this year. When we bought that cruise, we got to pick two out of four things that they were giving. A beverage package, dining package, and they were add-ons. You bought the cruise, and you got the beverage package and the specialty dining package included. And they're add-ons. To God, all the things that you worry about, they're just add-ons. God says, seek the kingdom of God, and these are part of the package. You won't even have to worry and pray so hard if you would just be kingdom-minded. All the things that you worry about today, the Bible says that as you're walking and doing God's will and being kingdom-minded and following the kingdom of God and where God is leading you, blessings will come and overtake you. 
In Spanish it says that they will reach you. Te van a alcanzar. You know, they'll come running before you and they'll just jump on. You won't have to look for them. But the more you look for them, the further away they go. And we don't realize and sometimes you get so tired in life and saying, oh my gosh, so that I don't have time for God. If you would just put the kingdom of God first, God will add on to your life. He will bless you. God has called us to sacrifice our lives, our time, our dreams, our finances for his kingdom. Question is, are you willing? And King Cyrus called all the people. He formed an assembly and he goes, God stirred my heart to be able to go and rebuild the temple. And I'm looking for men that will stand up and come with me to do this work. It's not going to be easy, but I'm looking for people that are kingdom-minded and they're willing to do this no matter the cost, no matter the sacrifice, no matter the fact that you had to leave your family for I don't know how long, go on a two-month trip, and God knows how long it was going to take to rebuild the temple. But I'm looking for people that have a heart for the kingdom of God. And a lot of them stayed back. It was just easier to give money. Oh, you know, I'll let somebody else do it here. have 100 bucks. But to be able to sacrifice your life, your time, wow. And I think that God is calling us to do this. When you make that decision, that's when the miracles start flowing. That's when the supernatural provision of God, the miracles just start blowing you away. God starts supplying your needs. God starts providing for this and for that. And you see God open doors that you could have never opened on your own. But why? Because you have sacrificed your life, your own time, even sometimes your dreams, your finances for the sake of God's kingdom. The majority of my thoughts... Let's declare this. Raise your hand. Say, the majority of my thoughts, my strength, my ideas, and my love need to be for establishing his kingdom here on earth. What takes the biggest percentage of your thoughts on a daily basis? What do you think about the most? What do you give your time to the most? Your ideas, are they kingdom related or you get ideas for business, which is not wrong. I mean, we, we need to provide for our families. But if that supersedes the time that you spend thinking about ideas on how I could be more effective for the kingdom, you've just created an idol. You've just created an idol and you've put God on second place or third or fourth in your list. And I don't know about you. I was thinking as I was preparing this sermon and I said, I don't want to look 10 years from now and, and, and start thinking and looking back to 2016 and saying, what a waste these past 10 years have been. Or, could have done more. I want to look back 10 years from now and be able to say, I sacrificed a lot, but it was worth it. I gave my best, and it's been the greatest adventure of my life. And I have all these fruits that I've gained. It was all worth it. And I've seen God's provision, and I've seen God take care of my marriage, and I've seen God take care of my family. And I've seen God provide for my finances. And I wouldn't have had it any other way. Thank God that I gave God my best. So those are our two options. Are we going to be self-minded or kingdom-minded? 